The only reason people tell you what to do is because you look like you don't know. If you use your time well and decide what you want to do because it's the right thing, because it's a good thing, because it's mature, then people will leave you alone. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Director of Marketing. Our goal is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. So, Andrew, I have a question for you. Yes. Do you ever travel? <laughs> Do I ever travel? <laughs> um, probably a bit more than the average person. Yes. And I was thinking, of course, I know that. Sometimes it's hard to have conversations with you because, oh, when are you leaving? Oh, you're leaving tomorrow morning. Too early for me to talk to you about business. But I would just like to hear some of your travel tips for packing your suitcase. I mean, is your suitcase always ready to go out the door? You want travel tips for packing a suitcase? Yes. Well, there are certain things that do remain in my suitcase. Okay. Uh, I have, for example, two toothbrushes. Okay. One for home and one stays in the little toiletry bag, as well as comb Mm -hmm. and and razor. Mm Mm-hmm. But I I travel pretty light. Mm-hmm. I travel pretty light. I learned a long time ago that most people pack twice as much clothes as they'll need and will use twice as much money as they expect. So oh. if you just take half as much stuff and twice as much money, <laughs> it generally works out. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I have a system. Mm-hmm. Uh, put everything in the place and know where it is and... You know, sometimes I think, oh, that's a place I might like to walk around a bit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I'll take some shoes that are better for walking if it's a trip where it's just going to be, you know, hotel, convention center, hotel, home. I'll just, you know, I won't even bother with that. Why do you ask? So I was thinking about our theme for this podcast, and it's dads and grads. And I know you're thinking, what does that have to do with traveling? Well... I like to think about this analogy. When we're parenting our children, we, especially when they're very young, we are making all of their decisions for them, essentially filling their suitcase of tools of what we think they will use in life. And then as they get older, they start to unpack their suitcase and put stuff in it that they think they need not necessarily taking advantage of our years <laughs> of experience of what really needs to be in that suitcase mm. for when they either go off to college or off to start a business or get a job. And so, Dad, you've had lots of grads now. You have seven children that you have graduated. And I just would like to hear what you would recommend these graduates take with them on life? What tips can you give them to be sure that they put in their allegorical suitcase as they transition from 
high school into college or college into graduate school or wherever it is? Well, I don't know. You probably should ask them. I I have had pretty much all of the children at one time or another mm-hmm. now as adults, young adults, thank me for certain things. Okay. So I guess that would be, those would be the things that lasted, that, you know, okay. worked well. I've, well, and I like what you said about generally when people travel, they take too much stuff. Right. Too much of one thing and not enough of another. Yeah. So what would be some of those things that, yeah, th- that your your kids have thanked you for? Well, one thing they all have is a good sense of money. Hmm. They have a good kind of basic fiscal awareness and responsibility. Um, we've had, of course, a home business, and that I think makes it easier to get them in an environment where you have some realities mm-hmm. of, you know, profit and expense and gain and loss, and as well as by extension, um, a willingness to work hard. I, I think all of my children have a, a sense of what it means to work hard mm-hmm. and the benefits that that brings. Mm-hmm without being, you know, burdened or guilt-tripped or whatever Mm -hmm. on that. So, you know, I'm very proud when I look at them and see how, in various ways, they uh, have developed both that sense of responsibility about money and and work and effort and the value of that. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's kind of one of those intangibles, as Mrs. Ingham would have called it. Um, Sure. We didn't have a a curriculum uh, on that. So that's one thing. Well, technically that was two things. Two things, so money yeah. and work. Uh-huh. I, I would also say that all of my children appreciate the language skills that they acquired. They, they all really do write quite well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, even the ones that I didn't have as much time uh, or I wasn't maybe as rigorous or diligent, but, you know, it, growing up, doing a few classes with dad, being in the environment, uh, kind of absorbing it and then applying in life, yeah, all of them, all, all seven of them, I would say, have a very, very good sense of language. Mm-hmm. And that helps them mm-hmm. in whatever they're doing. The fourth thing, I guess, is that they all are very conscious of the relationship between self-care and productivity and health Mm -hmm. and happiness. Mm -hmm. Um, Even the ones who kind of were less than enthusiastic, you know, about the type of almost obsessive nature that my wife and I have toward, you know, eating good food, staying away from processed things. I mean, none of my children ever, you know, ate much sugar, drank soda. Mm-hmm. We got rid of white flour long ago. And and so we just had this kind of, we're, we're these crunchy cons, if you will. <laughs> we're these organic people. And each of them in their teenage years, they kind of scoff at that. Mm-hmm. But now they're all past that. They're all very, I think, 
grateful mm-hmm. that they understand, uh, especially to you know the degree that oh I'm experiencing this not feeling good, which vitamins, herbs, supplements mm-hmm. are going to help me right. in this because. No, that's kind of a, an essential part of self-care. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, that was something not the curriculum. Right. Um, one of my children got really into studying it, but I think for the rest it was kind of uh, just the environment you create. Well, and as often as you travel, it is always surprising to me how healthy you are and quite honestly, slim and trim. You know, <laughs> <laughs> well, for almost 60 years old, right? Well, and I think because oftentimes when I travel, I use that as an excuse to, you know, have that dessert or, you know, indulge a little bit. And I think, my goodness, if I did that every weekend, yeah. I'd be a balloon. No, you, 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 you do have to be careful when <laughs> you travel because mm-hmm. it's easy. Right. Uh, so, so I, you know, I'm very grateful that that aspect of mm-hmm. self care, I guess the fifth thing that comes to mind is they all are very thoughtful and intentional about their reading. Tavelian once said in a little essay on English social history that we have, paraphrasing here, we have educated vast numbers of people to read, uh, but very few know what is worth reading. And I, I'm very excited to discuss with my kids, things they're reading, mm-hmm. because it's always very interesting. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily something that I would have chosen or suggested, but they found it, and they were able to then extract value out of it and talk about how that applies to their life and how it helps give them you know, vision for what they want to do, either in parenting or business or relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think that just that habit of intentional reading with conversation, again, not a curriculum so much as just an environmental factor that parents can create. Pinpoint that, you know, all of us read books for fun, but we're not limited to that. I think all of my children choose their books, and a lot of them enjoy audiobooks, as I do, mm-hmm. Um not just for enjoyment or recreation, but also to extract some wisdom, mm-hmm. value, application. And yeah, I think that's a, that's a good life skill mm-hmm. to have, you know. Mm-hmm. You always worry about teenagers getting into a period where they just seem so obsessed with entertainment. But I think having gone through it now, I realized it, it's a phase. Mm-hmm. And if I look back, surely I was in that phase, you know. Um, <laughs> But they seem, I think they've gotten out of that in more, you know, how do you use your time? And I always used to, you know, say, and I've said this to other people's teenagers too, you know, you'll know you're grown up when you use your time well. Mm. Your parents will know you're grown up Mm -hmm. when you use your time well. And I, sometimes I say this, you know, in the high school essay intensive, you know, I I have a captive audience of teenagers. Mm And so I say, you know, most of being a kid is about getting bossed around. People say, do this, don't do that. Read this, don't read this. Say this, don't say that. You know, and at a certain point, 12, 13, 15, 17, <laughs> right, you, get, you just get sick of it. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be bossed around. Mm-hmm. So I would say to them, the trick of not getting bossed around 
boss yourself around. Exactly. The only reason people tell you what to do is because you look like you don't know. (laughs) If you use your time well and decide what you want to do because it's the right thing, because it's a good thing, because Mm -hmm. it's mature, Mm -hmm. then people will leave you alone. (laughs) You know, the conflict comes is when you don't use your time well. Right. And people who love and want the best for you want to try to change that. Right. So, you know, it's something something to think about. But, you know, I don't know what all of my adult children do with all of their time, nor do they know what I do with all of my time. <laughs> right. But I think we, you know, they have often said, wow, Dad, you're one of the hardest working people I know. That's right. Which is yeah. possibly not true. But at least I got them tricked into, <laughs> I, I, you know, or at least I got them to have a vision mm-hmm. of how to use time yep. well. And I think that's... that's um, something, again, an intangible. Right. Because we've been enumerating, you said the fifth one is reading. So it sounds like the sixth one then is using your time well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think so. Good. So what else would they put in their suitcase? Well, probably they all have a pretty good sense of humor. Mm -hmm. Um, G.K. Chesterton once said the reason angels can fly is because they take themselves lightly. Oh, very nice. <laughs> and I, I think it is important to be able to laugh mm-hmm. at yourself, to laugh at some of the harder things and just remember, you know, that's that's just, this is just not the end. This mm-hmm. is just a step in a whole process mm-hmm. and let's find some humor or delight in the situation, even if it looks bleak or grim. Mm -hmm. I tend to do that (laughs) by way of the root of sarcasm, as you well know. Yes. (laughs) But I think there is a a power in being able to look and see the humor in a situation. Mm-hmm. They always say, you know, the essence of humor is benign tragedy, mm. right? And so if if there's tragedy, you know, look for the benign side of it. Okay. <laughs> but uh, I guess years of me practicing jokes on them may have had that effect. But, uh, and, and then I guess the last thing, if we can maybe mm-hmm. finish, sure. gives us a nice even eight things. Does, yep. That's a good number. Is I have always, I have always told other people's children and other people, and I guess by extension, I told my own indirectly, don't be afraid to do something other than kind of the conveyor belt of expectation that everyone has, Hmm. right? So some of the kids, you know, kind of did high school, went to college, got more on a career track. Um, you know, others didn't. I I did a lot of very strange things mm-hmm. in my 20s. And, and I look back and I see all those kind of strange things I ended up doing were all training me in some way, preparing me in some way mm-hmm. for what turned out to be, I guess, you know, a life mission. So I, I've always kind of said, you know, don't be afraid to do something differently mm-hmm. or something weird or mm-hmm. something odd. Two of the girls got married at a very young age, 18 years old, which, you know, historically isn't that young, but my modern standards it is. 
that was their choice to to say I'm gonna do that mm -hmm. rather than wait. You know, my son, as you know, is very involved in this little business he's starting up, and I think he's got a great idea for it, and he's found a few little bumps in the road of getting everything, all the ducks lined up so that the business is, you know, legal and ready to go, mm -hmm. uh, which that's a good life lesson. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I, th I think I would always encourage them, if you feel called to something and it is, and it is not a bad thing, maybe the fact that you feel called to do it or try it or go there or travel this place or uh, volunteer for that group is part of what the greater plan for mm -hmm. your life is. You don't know mm -hmm. the end, right. but you can make a decision now right. and don't be afraid. Mm -hmm. Make the decision without the fear of, oh, no, I'm not doing the same thing everybody else is doing, I right. think. right. Well, Andrew, as a dad, <laughs> I think your talk right now to these grads, putting some tools in their suitcase so that they're ready for the next adventure of their life. I think these were all eight tools that they put in their toolbox. I was thinking toolbox initially was an analogy, but I know that you travel a whole lot more than you fix up your house. I, I might actually also look at them as ingredients. Okay. You know, an analogy. Yep. Because, you know, if you want to make a, a really nice dinner, mm -hmm. like have a nice life. Yes, okay. <laughs> well, the more ingredients mm -hmm. you have, the better ingredients, mm -hmm. and the way you combine them. Right. It may vary from person to person. Right. Uh, but that's another way to kind of think of them. Yeah. So if you're a chef, you can think of this as a menu or ingredients in a recipe. Or if you're a traveler like you, just things in your suitcase <laughs> that you definitely don't want to be without. Money, work, language, self-care, reading, using your time well, humor, and try different things. Hey, I could make a conference talk out of that, <laughs> I couldn't I? I could. <laughs> <laughs> I think you just did. Well, thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcasts. Until then, on behalf of Andrew Poudois and the team at IEW, I thank you for the privilege of allowing us to partner with you on your journey toward better listening, speaking, reading, writing, and thinking. Thank you.